Welcome to How Leaders Lead. I'm Kula Callahan here to bring you another episode of Three More Questions with David Novak. David, I'm so glad to be back on the show with you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, and I'm really looking forward to discussing the conversation we had with Ray Scott, the president and CEO of the Lear Corporation. I didn't know what the Lear Corporation was until I listened to this episode, and then I realized that all of the little amenities in my car that I really adore, I basically have to credit to Ray Scott and his team at the Lear Corporation. That's true, Kula, because what they do is that they are the gurus in the auto industry on the interior and e-systems. It's a very innovative company. And I have to agree with you. I thought the Lear Corporation, when I first had the Lear Corporation contact me and see if I wanted to do a speaking engagement, I frankly, I, I thought it was the Lear Jet. I had no idea it had anything to do with uh, automobiles, but it's a great company. They're highly ranked for their consistency and business performance, the culture that they have, and just their ability to innovate. So I hope everybody listens to the podcast. I do too. It certainly gave me a much deeper appreciation for my seat warmer and all of the little adjustments I get to make to my seat when I go on long car rides. So kudos to your team, Ray Scott, and all the fine folks at the Lear Corporation. Let's get into today's questions, though. Are you ready, David? Absolutely. All right, here we go. Number one, at the beginning of the COVID pandemic, Ray's team developed a 74-page manual on steps to take to protect your people in the workplace. He then opened that very playbook to anyone who wanted access to it. And, you know, David, we're kind of coming out of the COVID pandemic now, but I'm curious your take on this. You know, a lot of leaders might hesitate to share best practices or processes with other companies, especially with their competition. But why, in some cases, is it important to do that? Well, cool. I think in this case where they put together this tremendous manual on on how to deal with COVID in, in the workforce... I think he was just doing good. And when you do good, uh, it's great. And when you do the right things, the right things always come back to you. And and, and I think that's basically made a lot of sense there. But, you know, it depends on, on what you're really sharing with competition. You know, if you look at KFC, the colonel had the original recipe. That was our secret recipe. We had it locked up in the safe and there were only like three people who could even get their hands on it. You know, so because it was really what made you know, our brand different. It was that special recipe that uh, really differentiated our chicken. But one of the things that I did early on when we started our company is we did a lot of best practice visits and talking to many different companies and getting great ideas. Now, I never did go, oh, we had a group of people who actually went to Chick-fil-A. It was our pizza team. They went to meet with them. And, you know, one of the the pizza guys says, I can't believe that you're sharing this with a competitor. Oh, they said, we have no problem doing that because we know you can't execute what we do. (laughs) 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 And and, and they were right. Uh, You know, and they had a different business model and they were absolutely right. So, but I thought that was very interesting. But I wanted us as a company to be best practiced. And the one area that I wanted to be best practiced on was our culture, our ability to build culture and, in fact, a recognition culture. And and I was so happy when Jeff Colvin from Fortune Magazine did a a feature article on our company and the way how we used uh, recognition to drive results and make our work environment so special. And once that article uh, ran, we had so many 
businesses call us up and wanting to do best practice visits. We actually had to get a team of people and dedicate some time to really bring all the people in to share with them how we'd created a recognition culture. And I love doing that because our people felt so proud that we had all these great companies coming to see us. And the other thing is, is that we were doing good. You know, recognizing people, giving people value, that's really a powerful thing to do. And, and just the idea of being able to spread that and get other companies uh, working at getting better at it, it really was a special feeling that we all had. You know, something that comes to mind, even as I listen to you share your answer to that question, is this idea of becoming a generous brand. And I just don't think you're ever going to be punished for being a generous brand and becoming known as a business or a culture or a leader who shares valuable information with other people. Now, I'm not saying to give away your secret sauce and let any chicken restaurant make the famous KFC chicken. But I just think that you'll always be rewarded for it. And maybe that sounds a little woo-woo, but that having that spirit of generosity, I think, will always end up growing you and your people. That little Lulu sound that you just talked about is one of the principles in life that is proven over and over again, which is the more you give, the more you receive. So you're probably right. Let's go to question number two. All right. Number two. In the episode, you and Ray talk about how to prepare for the future. And he says, to do that well, you have to have balance between short-term goals and long-term strategic initiatives. David, for leaders wondering how to find that balance, what would you say to them? Well, I have to tell you, I always felt that the people says, well, you know, you're focusing on the short term and you can't focus on the long term and you can't have one without the other. You know, I always thought that was a bunch of bunk. Okay, because I think what you have to do as a company is you have to do both. And that's what the balance really is. You know, you have to get short term results because that gives you credibility. You know, how can you tell me talking about the long term if you're not getting short term results that shows that your strategy is correct? Now, sometimes it takes you longer to get results when you make a strategic shift. And so you have to be patient. But in the end, if you don't start driving short term results with that strategy shift, you're paddling up the up the stream. So I think it's really important for companies to recognize that what really gives your long-term strategy credibility is the short-term results that you generate. And you know, I think you can't have one without the other. So this is basically what Jim Collins writes about in Good to Great. And he calls it the magic of the and. You need to get short-term results and long-term results. You know, it's, it's that magic of the end. The great companies find out how to do both. It's, and that's the magic of the end. That's so true. You know, when you're trying to gain momentum for a long-term strategy, people are going to want to follow you even more if you get quick wins. And so I think that getting quick wins not only adds to your credibility, but it also gives people a sense of determination and confidence in following you to the long-term strategic plan that you've set forth. So to your point, David, balance in the and is key. One of the things that's always the, the watch out in situations like this is that when people say you sacrifice the long-term for the short-term, let's say you're cutting costs on a product and that'll ultimately come back and hurt you. So, you know, the short-term, people are focused solely on the short-term results 
without thinking about how it'll impact the long-term results often get off track. And that's something you really got to watch out for. All right. Question number three. Ray credits a lot of his growth as a leader to taking on opportunities other people wouldn't take on. David, is there a story from your career where you took on a challenge you knew no one else wanted to take on? Well, I don't know if no one else wanted to take it on, but I can tell you I had a couple of situations that were very, very challenging. I was asked to be the executive VP of marketing and sales for the Pepsi-Cola company. And the previous five marketing executives uh, had all been canned. You know, so that was a high-risk move. (laughs) I remember my wife said, hey, listen, we're buying this house here. And if you get canned, you better make sure that they make sure we at least break even on this. So I went back and negotiated uh, for that fact, and it was a good thing to do. I actually got the the chief people officer to, to give me a write down on paper that uh, they would cover the cost of my house if things didn't work out. <laughs> Thank God they did. And then uh, I was lucky enough to do that job, the chief operating officer job at Pepsi-Cola, and I got promoted to be the president of KFC. And I always wanted to be a president of a PepsiCo division, and we had five Pepsi-Cola, Frito-Lay, Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, and KFC. But when I got promoted to be president, I got more calls of condolences uh, than congratulations because it was the graveyard for PepsiCo executives. Anybody who had ever gone in to try to turn KFC around had, had failed. And, you know, I looked at it as a real opportunity because I knew there was big leadership challenges there. But I knew that if I could really pull this off, it could lead to some big things. And uh, I had no idea that it would ultimately end up to me being CEO of Young Brands, but it worked out well. But both of those jobs had a lot of risk uh, going in, but I enjoyed the challenge in both situations and was somehow able to survive and thrive, thank God. You certainly did thrive in that role. You know, one thing I've learned about taking risks is the first big risk you take, whether it's in your life or in your career, it feels very scary and intimidating. But once you take a risk and something positive comes from it, you make that association in your brain and in your psyche that risk, hopefully all the time, equals reward. And so the more risk you take and the more rewards you experience, the easier it gets to start taking some of those risks and these big, scary opportunities that you might not feel cut out for at the beginning will feel less and less intimidating and scary. So I just love to tell people just to be mindful of how you associate risk and challenge in your mind. Because if you associate it with failure or doom, it's just going to increase the fear and anxiety you have around taking one. But if you flip the script and associate it with positivity and results, it'll get a lot easier. Well, it's always a challenge when you go into a high-risk situation, but I love the podcast I did with uh, Jenny Rometty, who was the CEO of IBM, and she said the only way you can ever really succeed is to get out of your comfort zone, and and I think that's that's basically what Ray's saying and what I'm saying. You know, getting taking on those challenges that nobody wants get you out of the comfort zone, and when you succeed in those particular situations, you really, really distinguish yourself because other people have not done so well. That's so true, David. And again, if you haven't listened to the Ray Scott episode, I highly recommend it. Not only will you gain a greater appreciation for all the gadgets in your car, you'll learn a lot about what it takes to put yourself in uncomfortable situations. 
Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of How Leaders Lead. We're on a mission to make the world a better place by developing better leaders. And if you carve out a little time with us each and every week, we'll help you build the confidence you need to lead well. And everybody tune in Thursday for my conversation with Jay Billis, because guess what? It's March Madness time. And Jay Billis is the number one basketball analyst in the world. Nobody studies college basketball more than him. And he has distinguished himself as the very best. And you're gonna learn a lot from Jay. 